Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Innalhamdulillah Innalhamdulillahi Wassalatu wassalamu ala man la nabiyya ba'da Qad qala tabaraka wa ta'ala Fi kalamihil majid wal furqanil hamid Ba'da a'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Innallaha wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala al-nabiyya ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu Sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa shafi'ina Wa habibina wa sanadina wa maulana muhammadin mubarik wa sallim Wa qala al-nabiyyu sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam من صلى علي صلاة واحدة صلى الله عليه بها عشرة كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العزيز الحكيم رب زدني علما رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي Dear respected listeners السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep everybody safe and in this blessed month of Muharram Allah allow us to gain maximum benefit from this month when thinking about what to recommence this these lessons with being the month of Muharram and with the month of Muharram though Islamically speaking historically speaking was not in the time of the Prophet associated with anything other than the deliverance of Musa and Abina والسلام, from the grasp and clutch of Fir'aun and commemorating that occasion with Fas. In today's climate, the month of Muharram and especially the 10th of Muharram Yawm Ashura is synonymous with the tragedy of Karbala and the martyrdom of Sayyiduna Hussein, the beloved grandson of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And because of this synonymous nature between the two and the family of the Prophet being of such significance in the Sharia that even our daily litany of sending salawat on the Prophet in our prayers 
that Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Ali Muhammad incorporates sending the salutations upon the family of the Prophet and how important the love of the Ahlul Bayt and the family alongside the Sahaba Kiram Ridwanullahi Ta'ala and Mijma'een is in Islam. I find it apt that I speak to some degree on the immediate family of Rasulullah and from the immediate family the focus initially will be on the Azwaj Mutaharat, the wives of Rasulullah the mother mothers of the believers uh, and how important their biographies are, are the lessons that we learn from their relationship with our beloved Prophet and the immense significance that Allah himself has bestowed upon the mothers of the believers, the Azwaj al-Mutahharat. And there, there is much to discuss, and we will try to cover whatever we can over the next few sessions, inshallah, to gain a better understanding of the Azwaj al-Mutahharat, the Ummahat al-Mu'mineen. The first point that I want to mention, the concept of the mothers of the believers, the notion of Ummahat al-Mu'mineen. What does that mean? What does it signify? So the notion of Ummahat al-Mu'mineen is understood in a hadith recorded by Imam Bayhaqi rahimahullah that Masruq he relates that a woman said to Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha that oh mother so she said lastu laka bi ummin innama ana ummu rijalikum that I am not considered your mother but instead I am the mother of the believing men and what Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha was establishing through this point is that the concept of being the mother of the believers is not in terms of hurmat. It's not in terms of the believing men and women do not have to have any form of parda and veil between themselves and Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. But instead... This notion of Ummahatul Mu'mineen was the hurmat of being haram. That once a woman came under the nikah or under the Prophet then for eternity it would not be permissible for any individual even after the passing of the Prophet to marry that woman. And so that is what Aisha radiallahu ta'ala says, that this, this ruling of Ummahat al-Mu'mineen is specific to the men. Khair. Who were 
the women that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam performed nikah with and once we go through the names and their lineage then inshallah we'll discuss some of the immense noble things that have been mentioned about them in hadith and the lessons that we can learn from them initially though we look at on a collective basis how significant the Azwajun Mutahharat, the blessed wives of the Prophet were and that the Prophet indicated to their acceptance in terms of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this very world. So in a hadith which has been validated by the likes of Hafiz ibn al-Hajr al-Asqalani amongst others that Hind, the son of Hind ibn Abi Hala narrates from his father that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi said That Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has made it forbidden upon me That I marry or am married to anyone except Ahlul Jannah A person from Jannah And what this hadith tells us is that any of the Azwaj Mutaharat, whoever was given this immense, noble uh, blessing in this world of being from the Azwaj Mutaharat, from the wives of the Prophet Allah's Messenger indicated towards their acceptance of being Ahlul Jannah in this very world. And it's at this junction that we have to remember the key principle in Islam is that Gen- in, in a general uh, way of speaking, all of the Sahaba Kiram Ridwanullah Ta'ala and Majma'een are absolved of any wrongdoing because Allah has stated in the Quran, Radiallahu anhum radu an. So it remains impermissible for anybody to speak ill of any of the companions of the Prophet. And then you have certain people from the Sahaba who were more select and they were specifically discussed by the Messenger وسلم, their virtue and the nobility was then mentioned specifically by the Prophet so you have the general rule of the Sahaba Kiram being above our tongues and that we are unable, it is not permissible to speak ill of the Sahaba Kiram in any way shape or form in fact, uh, in the books of Aqidah, the books of theology, and that, that, that note out what makes a Muslim a Muslim, lifting one's tongue in a blameworthy manner against the Sahaba, Kiram is in fact a threat to one's own faith. So to speak ill of any of the companions is in actual fact... Uh, very damaging if that being the least that it could lead to one's actual faith being eradicated by Allah and then you have the select from the Sahaba Kiram like the Ashara Mubashara the ten that were given the glad tidings of paradise specifically in one gathering by the Prophet and that in itself is not to negate the virtue of paradise for the rest of the companions this, is what, this was an incident where the Prophet selected 
a few companions to make mention of them of being from the gardens of paradise. Otherwise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already absolved the rest of the Sahaba Kiram in the Quran. And then you have the likes of the Azwaj Mutaharat, whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has spoken about in the Holy Quran. So, we then understand from this hadith just how accepted the Azwaj Mutaharat are that they are from the inhabitants of paradise. Number one. How many Azwaj Mutaharat were there? How many women came under the nikah of Rasulullah And here the historians um, do differ in terms of the number. But what is absolutely agreed upon, then the difference is whether there was less or more but the absolute, not less but more, but the absolute agreement is upon the Prophet ﷺ married and these women came into the nikah of the Prophet ﷺ, totaling 11 women. From them, two of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ passed away in the life of the Prophet ﷺ. So whilst the Prophet ﷺ was alive, two of his wives passed away and nine were in his nikah at the time of the Prophet leaving this very world. So, an agreement on the number of 11. Then you have uh, Ibn Abbas is mentioned, recorded from Ibn Abbas that in total there were 15. But what is completely agreed upon is that the Prophet married 11 women. They were in his nikah. Two of these wives passed away in the time of the Prophet and nine were alive when the Prophet ﷺ left this world. So what we are going to do is take a quick look at the lives and lessons for these 11 women in question, inshaAllah. These 11 wives of the Prophet ﷺ. And like I said, there are, there are tremendous lessons. Each one of these wives of the Prophet ﷺ can be a role model for us whether in terms of their zuhd and abstinence of this world, whether in terms of their pursuit of knowledge, whether in terms of their dedication to Allah and His Rasul So today what I'm going to do is just simply mention the names, who they were. And then from the next lesson onwards, we will have a somewhat deeper discussion of these uh, significant Wives of the Prophet ﷺ, significant individuals who happen to be the wives of the Prophet ﷺ. From the 11, six of, six of these women were from the Quraysh. So their lineage, their ancestral lineage meets with the Prophet ﷺ, some in two or three generations, some after four or five generations. But they are all Quraysh. Qurashi women. Who were they? Number one, Khadija binti Khuwailid. Radiyallahu ta'ala anha wa ardaha. She was the, Khadija was the daughter of Khuwailid, the son of Asad ibn Abdul Uzza. And here after this, they meet with ibn Qusay, which meets with the lineage of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Khadija binti Khuwailid, radiyallahu ta'ala anha, she happens to be the first wife of the Prophet ﷺ. And all children bar one in one narration and 
and another two were uh, born by Sayyidina Khadija Al-Kubra radiyallahu ta'ala anha wa ardaha. Number two, also from the Quraysh, was Aisha bint Abi Bakr as-Siddiq. So Aisha, the daughter of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma, the son of Abu Quhafa, who was Uthman ibn Amir, the son of Amr, ibn Ka'b ibn Sa'd, ibn Taym ibn Murra, ibn Ka'b ibn Luay, and this is where the lineage meets with the Prophet's ancestral lineage. Number three, Hafsa bint Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu ta'ala anha. Hafsa, the daughter of Umar ibn al-Khattab, the son of Abdul Uzza ibn Ribah, ibn Abdullah ibn Qurt, Ibn Razah, Ibn Adi, Ibn Ka'b, Ibn Luway, and this is where the Prophet's lineage is met. So, three so far Khadija al Kubra, Bint Khuwailid, Aisha Siddiqa, Bint Abi Bakr Siddiq, Radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma, Wa Hafsa, Bint Umar ibn al Khattab, Hafsa, the daughter of Umar ibn al Khattab, Radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma. Number four, Ummu Habiba, Bint Abi Sufyan. Ibn Harb, Ibn Umayya, Ibn Abd Shams, Ibn Abd Munaf. Umm Habiba, the daughter of Abu Sufyan, and there you understand the family uh, connection with the Prophet because of Abu Sufyan, the uncle of the Prophet. Number five, Umm Salama, bint Abi Umayya, Hind Ibn Suhail. Umm Salama, the daughter of Abu Umayya. Abu Umayya. Also, later on in the lineage, um, he was Ibn al-Mughira, Ibn Abdullah, Ibn Amr, Ibn Makhzum, Ibn Yaqadha, Ibn Murra, Ibn Ka'b. And this is where the lineage meets with the lineage of the Prophet Umm Salma was the daughter of Abu Umayya. Abu Umayya, was a, his, one of his appellations was Zad al-Raqab. That he was known as the provisions for the travelers. And why? Is that he was known as a very, very uh, generous individual. And if he ever traveled, then anybody else in the caravan were told not to bring their provisions because Abu Umayya would provide the provisions for everybody. So that's why he, he had that nickname uh, as well to go along with that. So that's number uh, five, Umm Salma bint Abi Umayya. Number five, Sauda bint Zama'a. Ibn Qais, Ibn Abd Shams, Ibn Abd Wood, Ibn Nasr, Ibn Malik, Ibn Amir, Ibn Luway, and here we meet the lineage and ancestral lineage of the Prophet. So, Sauda bint Zama'a, number six. So, that is six Azwaj Mutaharat, and they come from the Quraysh. And so, because they come from the Quraysh, they meet in terms of lineage with the Prophet in the ancestral line. Four women. Min Ghairi Quraysh were from outside of the tribe of the Quraysh. Zainab bint Jahsh, okay, number one, Zainab bint Jahsh, number two, Maymuna bint Al Harith, Maymuna bint Al Harith, number three, the second Zainab, Zainab bint Khuzayma, Zainab, the daughter of Khuzayma ibn Al Harith ibn Abdullah ibn Amr, and number four, Juwairiya bint al-Harith. Juwairiya, the daughter of Harith. So six and four makes ten. So there's one wife left. And she was a non... 
She was not from the Quraysh tribe, not from another Arab tribe. She was a non-Arab woman. And she was from Banu Israel. Her name is Safiya bint Huyay ibn Akhtab from Banu Nadir. So the Jewish tribe Banu Nadir. From them, Safiya bint Huyay ibn Akhtab, radiyallahu ta'ala anha, she was the 11th in question here that from the Azwaj Mutaharat. Six were from the Quraysh, four were outside of the Quraysh, but of Arab uh, descent, and one was non-Arab, and that was Safiya bint Huyay ibn Akhtab. So these are the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, in which there is no dispute that the Prophet ﷺ married them. The Prophet ﷺ in his lifetime saw two of his wives depart from this world. They were Khadijatul Kubra, Khadija bint Khuwailid radiallahu ta'ala anha, and Zainab bint Khuzayma. So from the two Zainabs, Zainab bint Khuzayma, she uh, also left this world in the, t- in the lifetime of the Prophet The rest were alive when the Prophet departed from this world. Now, in terms of who the Prophet married, uh, the order, again, there is discrepancy. Um, I'll mention a few traditions, a couple, and we'll leave it at that, inshallah. Qatada, uh, one of the great mufassiruns of the Qur'an, he mentions that Khadija al-Kubra, which is undisputed that she was the first wife of the Prophet was followed by Sauda, who was followed by Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, who was then followed by Ummu Habiba radiallahu ta'ala anha, then Ummu Salama, then Hafsa radiallahu ta'ala anha, then Zainab bint Jahash, then Juwayriya, then Maymuna bint Al-Harith, then Safiya bint Huyay, and finally, the last wife to marry the Prophet was Zainab bint Khuzayma, though she left this world in the life of the Prophet Another, uh, Abu Ubaidah, Ma'amr ibn Muthanna, he mentions that after Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, Sauda married the Prophet in Makkah al-Mukarramah, then Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha married the Prophet two years before Hijrah, Ummu Salama married the Prophet after the occasion of Badr at Medina al-Munawwara, then Hafsa, Married two years, the second year of Hijri, then Zainab bin Tijahash in the third year, then Juwayriya in the fifth year, then Umm Habiba in the sixth year, then Safiya, then Maymuna, then Fatima bin Tishurayh, which is a disputed, well, not agreed upon, then Zainab bin Tijahashima, then Hind bin Yazid, then Asma bin Tijahashima, and Qatira bin Tijahashath, and these again are not agreed upon. So the Prophet um, throughout his uh, life, obviously, he married um, these women and the order is disputed. So we'll leave it at that. But what we do know is the first wife to marry the Prophet was Sayyiduna, Sayyiduna Khadijah al-Kubra radiyallahu ta'ala anha. So what we'll do next, inshallah, is in our first official sen- uh, session of uh, understanding the Azwaj al-Mutahharat and this part of history of the Prophet is we will speak about Khadija bint Khuwailid. Who she was and what she meant to the Prophet Not only was she the first wife of the Prophet she is the only wife wherein the Prophet did not remarry in her lifetime. So inshallah, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills, then we'll go into some detail in relation to Khadijah al-Kubra, the 
lessons that we learn from her life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant me the understanding. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant all of you the understanding. Wa dawan. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Subhanallahi wa bihamdi. Subhanakallahum wa bihamdik. Wa nashadu wa la ilaha illa ant. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Jazakumullahu khairan. Assalamu alaikum. Wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.